Well, we've been having fun watching our favorite sitcom family, The Keep It. Uh, This is our sermon series where we're talking about keeping it together. As the scripture tells us that uh, Jesus holds all things together. And it's so essential for our relationships that we work on these things. It's, It's difficult to keep things together, keep things calm. So over the last couple of weeks... We have talked about building solid, that Jesus should be at the center of all of our relationships. That when Jesus is at the center, when Jesus is at our core, we have an authority. We have a place to go. We have a center that keeps us solid and makes sure that we can can, uh, really engage our relationships in a positive way. We talked about building sacred virtues and values into our life. What are the things that are most important? Choose the greater things and remember uh, not to allow the things that are not as significant to crowd out those daily things. Make prayer a part of your family. Make uh, deep conversations, togetherness, these things a part of your family. Build sacred sacred acts into your schedule. And last week we talked about solving calendar and building our calendar around the things that are sacred. Put the big rocks in first and then the other things can fit around. But if we don't build our calendar around the sacred things, then we're going to, uh, we're just automatically going to miss those things in our life because we're all incredibly busy. And today we're going to talk about conflict. And really all these things kind of build into one another because if you work on building solid, building sacred, and solving your calendar, a a lot of your conflict is already solved. A lot of things go away. And that's really the goal. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's what we really hope. We really hope our relationships are filled with peace. They're life-giving. But we recognize that there's sometimes conflict arises. I think about it in this way. If you, uh, some of you have bought houses in the neighborhood, right? Some of you had one-year warranties, and uh, I've heard stories of, you know, all kinds of things going wrong uh, in that period of time that people... That stuff was not built solidly and all kinds of problems arise. Really, if you think about it, if the house is built strong at its foundation and it's built solidly, conflicts don't come up as much. But if you go to our analogy again, if things are built quickly and uh, haphazardly in one way or another, it seems like there's always conflicts that are always arising. There's always things that are falling apart, things that are breaking. But regardless, if you live in a house, even if it's well-built, even if it's solid on a firm foundation in Christ, there's going to be things that arise. There's going to be conflicts that emerge. And so we're going to talk about those a little bit today. I think a lot of times what people do when we think about conflict is we think about kind of Uh, The big picture of what takes place many times is a lot of times there's conflict in family or even extended family that arises. But the reality is that broader circle or that broader group of people, likely those conflicts emerge because of unresolved conflicts a lot of times in marriage. 
And if you look even deeper uh, to at the core of conflicts within marriage, a lot of times those emerge from conflicts within. If I just kind of give you an example, a lot of times, you know, extended families may have conflicts between, you know, uh, arguments between one uh, set of in-laws with another set of in-laws. And that really is kind of stemming from some conflict within the marriage. Sometimes a conflict in the marriage is arising over unresolved issues that people had in their past expectations that they have of the other person. So as we talk about this, we'll talk about all those aspects of conflict. But first and foremost, I think what we need to do is we need to first deal with the conflict within. We need to deal with ourselves. Jesus gives great advice in the scripture in dealing with conflict. And almost all of them are spiritual principles directed towards individuals. He gives, he gives advice like this. He says, you know, if you are, if you're, before you criticize or judge others, look at the speck in your own eye. He's saying, hey, look inwardly first. Before you criticize somebody else, look at yourself first. He also says, hey, if you have an enemy, pray for them. What it, Jesus shifts the focus of conflict resolution a lot of times onto the individual. How are you dealing with things? How are you managing things? Because sometimes it is a battle within that's emerging, that's creating conflict with other people. It says this in Colossians, and we have been in Colossians during this entire series, and we're going to go back to Colossians chapter 3. It says this in verse 7. Said you used you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these: anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of its. Creator, Old practices uh, we need to get rid of and we need to be renewed in our creator. It points us back to the to the center of a solid foundation is Christ. That we're building sacred values into our life and we're building our calendar around that. But really, when we talk about conflict, the first person we need to look at is ourselves. We need to have a hard look in the mirror. We need to ask ourselves, is, are, are there things in the, our life that are unresolved, that aren't clear, that aren't at peace with God, that are, that are causing my other relationships to falter in one way or another? You know, over the uh, course of COVID, uh, our family uh, started doing a sacred practice. This is a very holy, sacred practice that we had during covid uh, we, we watched some TV shows, um, uh, not that sacred, not that holy, but we started watching a show called the amazing race. And what we would do is we would, we would, uh, watch the first couple of episodes and then our family would pick a team and we'd say, I think this team's going to win. I think that team's going to win. And we, I'd be always looking for, you know, drama and conflict between the people and we'd pick them. And it was so fun to sit there and watch all the different dynamics of two people like a father son or a married couple or two friends and the conflict that would emerge when they're put in pressure 
situations, traveling across the world and put in unusual scenarios. It was great, great entertainment watching it. And sometimes, you know, uh, the, the best uh, TV is conflict TV, right? That's the number one TV in the world right now is this reality TV when you see two people fighting and doing all of these things. But secretly, uh, my, uh, in my own head, I had some other thoughts about an experience that I had. My kids said, someday we're gonna be on the amazing race. We're gonna go on there. Dad, will you go out with me? Maybe you and mom could go, maybe we'll go and all these things. And secretly in the back of my head, I was thinking, I really hope not. Because this is why I've had one experience with something that was similar to the amazing race many years ago. We were fairly newly weds uh, a couple years into our marriage, and uh, we went to a church event that was put on, and they said, we're going to do this amazing event called The Amazing Race. And we're going to have you go around town, and you're going to go to different places, and you're gonna, it's going to be fantastic. And so we're like, all right, let's do it. And um, we, uh, I think we got to about the first clue, and then I got frustrated. I got frustrated. I couldn't figure anything out. I didn't know where to go. And what I did, which is my tendency, is I just started kind of walking. And I was walking, and I was walking at a brisk pace, absolutely nowhere, and I had no idea where I was going. And my wife was just following behind, about five steps behind, said, why don't we talk about this and try to figure it out? And I was not having any of it, and I was just kind of going along, and this fun church event that was supposed to be this wonderful adventure ended up revealing the fact that uh, maybe we had some areas that we needed to work on as far as our communication, and let's be honest, it was 98% me, me just realizing that uh, in many moments, my personality trait is I go, and I just like do something. And I like don't stop to talk about it. I don't stop to ask for advice from others. I don't stop for directions. Are you kidding me? Uh, what a sign of weakness. I move forward. I know what I'm doing and I do it confidently and nobody is gonna tell me otherwise, including my wife. And that gets you just lost in the game Amazing Race. We had, I think there was about, you know, 10 couples or so. And at some point in time, they just started driving around and found us aimlessly wandering around town and said, the game's over. It's time to go. Uh, that happens in the actual show sometimes. It's bad when uh, all of a sudden the host of the show just shows up and says, all right, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, you are out, okay? That happened to me. That's what happened to me. My experience just going around town trying to solve Amazing Rays was miserable. And really the reality of it, it was me running a race by myself. And that was my own unresolved conflict, my own issues, my own values that many times I hadn't sorted through and I'm still working through, if I'm honest about it. Is that there's things in each of our life that we have to recognize that when you add somebody else to the mix, it's, it, it's more complex, it's harder. You know, if life was just a solo project and we just did everything alone, some of our faults and flaws could probably be hidden. But the reality is when you get into intimate relationships, 
You are required and you need to deal with those unresolved issues in your own life. You have to figure out what give and take looks like. You have to figure out those virtues or those things in life that have been a part of you that you need to get rid of, like anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Don't lie to each other. These practices that we know and understand are harmful and painful and ruin relationships. But maybe in our life, we think that if we're, we're able to hide them or shield them in some way or another, we can avoid dealing with it. If there is conflict that's emerging in your extended family at work or even any kind of outside circle of, of people in your life, first, Start looking at the interior. Start looking at yourself. Start asking yourself, what is it in my life that is unresolved that I need to deal with? Just as the scripture says that I opened up with, it says, it says um, in verse 15, let peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Do you have peace? I've established a rule in my life because it's something that is a tendency of mine. A tendency of mine is to be quick to be critical. My wife and I were just talking about it the other day. She asked me, is when you were a teenager, she said, you know, were you, were you difficult? Were you a difficult teenager? I'm like, well, that's a tough question. I was definitely critical. I wasn't necessarily uh, Rebellious. I wasn't like getting into trouble all the time, but I definitely was highly critical of my parents, teachers, and other people. And we're having this conversation as we're raising teenagers and thinking about their temperament and the different things that they're going to be going through. And my wife was like, I can see that. I could see that. Yeah, I could see you being a little bit difficult, a little bit prickly, a little bit critical. And, and I think in some ways is, you know, I, that's a tendency in our culture, in our world. So we have a lot of people that want to be independent, want to be leaders, want to be entrepreneurs. These are wonderful traits that can make you highly successful in life. But what I've found for myself is in order for me to have peace in relationships or have peace in how I deal with others, I've had to set up a rule in my life that comes really from Jesus. A rule that before I criticize somebody, whether I know them or not, I need to pray for them first. So if it's uh, something I see on TV and I see a political leader making another stupid decision uh, with our tax dollars or with our laws, these idiots don't know what they're talking about. I could run the country better than them or whatever it may be. I need to pause, and before I begin down my road of criticizing everyone else, I need to remember the principles that Jesus gives us. Look inward first. Look at yourself first. And so unfortunately, this is a struggle for me. There's times I have to stop myself, shut off the news, and say a prayer. 
for some of our spiritual or some of our political leaders in our world. Because the reality is that it's easy to criticize. It's easy to, to look at other people, want to solve other conflicts and to miss the conflict within the fact that we don't have peace in our own hearts. We don't have peace in our own spirit and our relationship with God. And so first, before criticizing, I must pray. What a great rule that would be for you and your family if you struggle with this like I do. Before you go to your, your spouse and correct them on how to do the dishes. And I've, I've done that before. Because I'm really good at doing dishes. I've explained that around here. I'm great at it. It's the best thing I do. I need to pause, maybe take a breath. Maybe your parents or grandparents told you to count to 10, but let me just add this caveat is add a prayer. God, I pray for this person. If you're going into a situation that's more serious than dishes, to have a moment before that you say, I'm going to pray prayerfully think about this person and hope and pray I can have a conversation in dealing with this conflict, this issue, this disagreement that I have in a way that is helpful, productive, and peaceful. The goal is peace. The goal, that's the goal, and that's what it talks about in Colossians, is the goal is peace. As we, we kind of think uh, think about other aspects of conflict and go out from our, you know, uh, looking at ourselves and the inner turmoil that we maybe need to deal with. Uh, there's also, of course, conflict within marriage. And I think whenever there's conflict in marriage, it spills out to family and extended family. And so we have to deal with that conflict. As the picture is. Christ is the center. The picture here in relationships is that we have mutually submissive relationships to Christ. That everyone is looking at Christ as the center. Christ to be our guide. Christ to be our authority. But in Colossians, it also gets into all these different dynamics and different relationships that exist in the world. I'm not going to read all of it, but in Colossians 18, it goes into different dynamics of relationship, marriage relationships, relationships with kids, relationships, in fact, that it talks about here because of the time and culture between slave and master. In this culture and time, there was they were thought to be uh, more slaves than free people at this particular time in history. It was a common part of their world because there was such a lower class that really had no opportunity to move up. A lot of people made the decision even freely to go in and give themselves over to somebody else because it was preferable to being poor and unable to eat. It was preferable to live in a stable home and work for somebody else and give up your freedom as opposed to looking for a meal every day. So slavery was incredibly common in the culture at this point in time and obviously is not a good societal situation, obviously is not a good thing. But in looking at all of the context and relationships that's going on in scripture, Paul writes, if you're in a situation where this is your situation, be respectful, make the most, don't have uh, 
a, you know, bitterness in your heart. All of these different relationships and dynamics in this culture and time, the man was the head of the house with absolute control. And that's what the culture was like is women were not educated and did not have opportunity to make it. They were actually very vulnerable when they uh, were unmarried. There's all these different relationship dynamics and structures. And in all of that, this is the theme. Be uh, let peace rule your hearts. And even if there's a power dynamic and a difficult dynamic going on, do everything you can to make peace. So in a hierarchical world, if I said that word right, if you can catch that, in a world of a lot of structure and a lot of uh, uh, people telling other people what to do, the scripture here points to peace. And points to care and points to respecting one another and treating one another right. That's the point. That's how I read it and that's how I understand it. Is that peace of God is the goal. Coming to peace is the goal. Here's where I think couples get stuck. Couples get stuck where uh, there are two opposing wills. That are operating in the same place and time and are trying to win. Two opposing wills that are just trying to say, who's going to win this battle? Who is going to get the upper hand? If, if that's where you're at in your marriage relationship, what t- takes place is, is lots of arguing, lots of fighting, lots of Discussion about who's in charge, who's right, who has the best opinion, maybe even manipulation behind the scenes, gossip behind the scenes, bringing other people in behind the scenes, and sometimes, sadly enough, even affairs, divorce, and other things that that emerge. When it's two opposing wills that are operating in the same place and time, and the goal is to see who's going to win. I really don't think in a marriage relationship that ever works. In fact, in scripture, the picture it gives us is it says, be equally yoked, be united together, working together in step, walking one another hand in hand so that you're not pulling or tugging against one another. And so we get stuck sometimes in marriage relationships. We get stuck in the most intimate relationships because Because there is these two opposing wills. And I think whenever this emerges, there's typically a communication breakdown. Typically a moment in time at some point where where one person isn't feeling like they're being heard or understood. Or another person that is maybe uh, uh, doing some of the things on this list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, demeaning somebody else. And it just breaks down and it breaks down. And it's just two opposing wills going against one another time and time again. If, if you're dealing with conflict in marriage, begin with your communication. Begin with how you speak to one another. Begin with setting the stage where you say, we're going to have a reset. We're going, to, we're going to talk in a way where we listen to one another, hear one another out, and understand their perspective. Because let's be clear, if you're in a marriage relationship and you completely disagree with your spouse, love would dictate 
Your love and care would dictate for the other person that you would listen and try to understand their point of view. If you, if you don't care about somebody, then it doesn't matter if you don't really understand their point of view. You don't, it doesn't really matter if you don't really understand or, or walk a mile in their shoes, so to speak. And, but if you're talking about the most intimate relationships that you have, you have an obligation to say, I'm going to give my best effort 100% to understand your perspective, to hear you out, understand how you're feeling. If we don't do that, it can easily break down to a point where maybe it's two opposing wills and then all of a sudden it becomes two roommates that live in the same house. And things just, you've given up and you've, you've moved forward with two separate lives. And God has given us the beautiful picture and the beautiful gift that the intimate marriage relationship should be a, a, a picture of unity. A picture like, um, not unlike, uh, for illustrative purposes, for how God uh, exists in three persons. Perfectly aligned, perfectly unified, perfectly wor working in step together is the picture of what our marriages should look like as well. And so go back to the basics if you're two opposing wills and make sure that you are hearing one another and listening, not just to the words, but the feeling somebody is expressing. And remember, and maybe that's kind of the remember to define what a win is in your relationship with communication. The win isn't who gets their way. In a marriage, intimate marriage relationship, the win is we're united. That's the win. The win is we're together and we hear each other out. The win is we're going in the same direction. The win isn't I got the better of someone in that conversation and I am right. So start thinking about your communication, your better communication. Define what winning is in your relationship and your communication. And of course, remember to put God at the center. Once again, I would say if you have conflict with anyone, pray first. But with your spouse, that's even, even more essential and more important. Would it change the way you spoke to one another if, if you're having a conversation that has gone on months and months and months and, and there hasn't been any resolution? Would it change the conversation is before you entered into that conversation, you took one another's hand and prayed and said, God, bring us peace and unity in this. Help us to hear one another and understand each other's perspective. Help us to be for each other, not against each other. Help us to love one another right here, right now. Amen. Now let's talk. Would that change something? Would that change the tone? If it's getting to a point where it's not working, pause, reset, pray, do what you need to do to make sure that conversation is uh, going towards the goal. The goal of peace that will rule in your home. Peace. That's the goal. And reset that conversation. There's no question.
that at some points in time, especially if there's hurt that has taken place, that it is wise to get someone else to help you through that conversation. It is wise to, to meet with a pastor and say, we can't sort this one out. We have continually been in conflict and we need other people's help. That is, that is just demonstrating that the relationship matters, right? That's demonstrating it's a relationship that's worth fighting for, that it's a relationship that's so valuable that you're willing to get other people's help in this situation. And it's absolutely appropriate in some settings that, to get a godly Christian counselor to walk you through things and help you work on areas where you're stuck. If you're stuck, pursue that relationship with all of your heart. Don't give up. I was thinking back to the effort and energy that I put into pursuing my wife when I first met her. The effort and energy that I put into convincing someone who was way cooler and more athletic at my college to, to take a shot at me, with me. Even though she had a few other suitors that thought that, that they would pursue her as well. It's kind of fun when, you know, she said no to them. And I was like, huh, how about that? What do you think? Um, uh, I, I played... This is just a, this is a little divergence here, right here. This is just a little rabbit trail that I'm going down. But I remember hanging out. I, I played college baseball. My wife played college soccer. She was far better athlete than me. I was just the last guy on the bench and she was the star at our school. And I remember on the back of the bus at baseball game uh, or uh, talking and people were saying, yeah, who do you like? And, and Alisa, you ready for this last name? I saved her from this last name. Elisa Guilfoyle's name came up. And they were like, who? That Elisa Guilfoyle, she's a star soccer player. And uh, there might have been other things that were mentioned about the famous Elisa Guilfoyle. And I just kind of secretly had a little, you know, a little, little smirk and just kind of like, eh, eh. We'll see what happens here. But I think I got a, I think I got a shot here. Uh, but it, in those moments... When you're pursuing somebody at the beginning, the effort, the energy, the, what you will do, the silly things you're willing to do, a lot of times is over the top and people would just say, wow, young love, ridiculous, crazy, you're willing to do that. Will you pursue your spouse and this relationship in the same way when things are breaking down a little bit. Will you pursue that? Are you willing to reset how you talk? Are you willing to hear their perspective? Are you willing to get help if you need it? It's that important. Do what it takes. Pray about it. Don't let things just go by year after year and just slowly deteriorate and get worse and worse. Deal with that conflict. Inevitably, if there's conflict within, there's going to be conflict in the marriage. Inevitably, if there's conflict in the marriage, there's going to be conflict in the family and extended family. Inevitably. So the way it goes. And so in Colossians 3.12, there's more words that it says, more advice. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. 
Clothe, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And again, the verse that I've mentioned before, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. I, I don't know if there's a better portion of scripture to, to look at, to pray over, to maybe even memorize, to say, this is going to be my spirit and my heart as I deal with all of the relationships in my life. That you, we're going to care deeply for one another. We're, we're, we're going to care about things that other people care about. Gonna, and that expresses himself, itself in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. All of those virtues that it talks about right there. There's, there's some things that we need to set up in our family. And we've talked about sacred activities. But we also have to have these sacred values and virtues on how we're going to treat one another. Is that we care deeply for one another. Not just our marriage relationship, but if any one of us is struggling in our family. We care about that. If anyone is, is dealing with something that needs to, we need to have forgiveness. We're not making lists. We're not making big lists and saying, you know what? This is how many times you've wronged me. This is what you're going to have to do to make it up. We're not, we're not making big lists of things. Instead, we are people that forgive, it, forgive each other uh, lavishly ex in extreme ways. We love each other unconditionally. Always hopeful. Always believing that that person has re a chance for redemption. Always believing that God created them in God's image. Loving people unconditionally. And we are bound together in perfect unity. Really the picture it's giving. It's giving us a picture for our relationships that models how God treats us. It's really another way to express the message of Scripture, the key message of Scripture, the gospel, the good news. The good news of the Bible is that God goes to extreme lengths to forgive, goes to extreme lengths to save us. God is willing to come to earth, is willing to be involved, is willing to intimately uh, enter into this world. And he's willing to, to give up everything, give up his life, give up and sacrifice for us. It's a, it's a picture of incredible love and it's a picture that we're given right here. And we just need to understand if we are people that have said we have fo are following Christ, we're disciples of Christ. How God treats us, we need to take that very seriously and treat all of our relationships the same way. Incredible forgiveness, incredible grace, incredible care, and incredible love. In our lives, 
if things are breaking down, if conflicts are continuing to emerge, look at the core of your life. Look back at the life of Jesus and truly ask yourself, am I... Am I, am I someone that not only has just heard the message about Jesus, heard what Jesus did and, and took that gift from God, received and accepted that gift from God? Have you embraced it? Have you embraced it as your own? That you will treat others in the way that God has treated you. You will open up your life and be forgiving, loving. Compassionate, caring, involved, will never give up on others. That same passion and pursuit that God demonstrates to us is really spiritual maturity for us. Make no mistake about it, when we're talking about relationships, these aren't just like, you know, kind of nice little values that you can take home and Fix up your family. This is what it means to be a disciple of Christ. How you treat others is how you are embracing the message of Christ. How you're walking in Christ's footsteps. How you're truly becoming more and more like Christ. So as you look around and evaluate the conflict that emerges in your life, and it always will, are you dealing with it in a way that is Christ-like? I want to take a moment just to pray over our families, pray over our relationships, and invite you just to reflect yourself. Reflect if your attitude towards others is Christ-like. Will you pray with me? God, you created all things. You created all things, and so we recognize and realize you are the one that keeps all things together. Every breath that we breathe, every moment we have, doesn't exist without you. And so God, knowing that, we recognize that every one of our relationships... can only be held together by you. I pray that you would be at the center. God, that we wouldn't just know how you treat us. We wouldn't just know how you responded to us when we were sinful, rebellious, disagreeable, difficult, whatever. However we treated you. God, that we wouldn't just 
accept your gift of forgiveness, your gift of grace, your gift of love. But God, that we would become more and more like you. God, I pray that if there's somebody that sins against us, that we'd be gracious to forgive. God, I pray if there's unresolved conflict that we would not give up, never give up. But pursue reconciliation like you pursued us. God, we were called by you to be transformed, to be forgiven, to be made new. Help that to fill every one of our relationships, we pray. Right now in your life, if there's any anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, or lies, if your communication is broken down in that way whatsoever, right now, confess that to God. Say, God, there's something unresolved in my heart. There's something that's not at peace with my heart, and I ask you to forgive me. Be courageous enough to admit You're wrong right now and confess that to God. God, thank you for your forgiveness. And God, I pray that we would clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That we would bear with each other and forgive one another. If we have a grievance against someone, God, that we would forgive as you forgive. And above all, we would put on the virtue of love. God, give us grace today, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.